What's up, everybody? Everybody doing all right today? You guys good? Come on, beautiful weather outside. It's nice out. Nice spring weather. That guy's doing good. He's got a Broncos hat on over there. He obviously knows how to hear from God. Praise God for that. <laughs> it's good to see you. If you're new around here, if I haven't met yet, I'm James. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm so glad that you're here with us. Jared already mentioned, man, man we, had a, we had a really good night, Friday night. And uh, man, uh, we had uh, close to 900 folks in the house, ladies up in the house, and and uh, I had four guys that had my back. That was it. And uh, no, there's a lot more men here helping make sure everything went well. And and I was especially proud of my wife. She did a great job communicating the word. And and uh, yeah. Too good of a job. Uh, she's coming after my job, obviously, which is not cool because I'm really only good at a couple of things. And Ethan still doesn't have an appreciation for my interpretive dance skills, so I don't know what I'm going to do if Cody takes my job speaking. But no, it was, a, it was an awesome night. We had uh, several ladies raise their hand for salvation and a bunch of ladies coming to the altar to get set free from things that had kept them captive and insecure, and it was a, an awesome, awesome night. Uh, I'm not going to speak too long today. I'm going to speak on one of the most talked about subjects in the Word of God, I, although it's not a subject that we talk a lot about here. But before I get to that, I just want to share a little bit of vision, because coming up in two weeks, we have Easter. Uh, if you didn't realize that, It's coming, and Easter is a big, big time for families. Um, It's usually a time when people that that don't even go to church, people that don't have a relationship with God, they're a lot more open to spiritual things. They're a lot more open to going to church and to the things of God than they typically would be. This happens a couple times during the year. Christmas is another time that that happens. But it is an opportunity for churches if they see the opportunity, and it's an opportunity for us to make a big impact for the kingdom. But I think the way that that happens is we can't be thinking about what Easter is going to mean for us as much as we have to think about what Easter is going to mean for somebody who isn't here right now. And, And that really is the vision of our church. And I hope this doesn't offend you, but what every, everything that we're doing, it's not actually about you as much as it is about the next person. Uh, it's about the next person that's going to come in and, and sit in one of these seats. And, and so for Easter, we're, we're going to have more services than we typically have because a lot more people like to come to church on Easter. And so we want to kind of spread that out. So we actually have two Saturday night services. Now, here's the deal. Some of y'all have been asking before, like, could we ever do a Saturday night service? Well, I don't know if we're ever going to have one that's on a continual basis, but we have two now. So you need to go to one of those. Everybody has just been asking me about that. But, but I, I do want to give some vision to this because here's the deal. People that don't typically go to church, people that go to churches on major holidays, they go to church when people like to go to church, which is during primetime services. You're in one of those services right now, a 915, 930 service. 
Uh, and then also uh, our 11:15 service, that's another prime time service. So a lot of people who don't normally go to church, those would be the times that they would prefer to come to church. Which means we need you to strongly consider going to one of the Saturday night services so that somebody can have your seat and so that somebody can have your parking spot. Now, the exception to that would be if you're inviting somebody to come to church, which I want to tell you, that's, what, that's when you've really figured out who we are as a church. Like You could come to our church for a long time, but I'm convinced you don't really understand what we're about and the vision that God has given us until you, you walk across the street or you walk across the hall at your place of work or you go and you extend an invitation and you get to see them come to church. And there's nothing like when you do that and you get to see somebody that you are maybe convinced there is no way that they could ever get right with God. And to see the Holy Spirit get a hold of them, to see them raise their hand or just give a head nod, towards the gospel of Jesus Christ, that is when you understand what we're about as a church. And it's the only time you get to peek during the invitation. <laughs> and so I'm asking you, just get with your family. If you're inviting a bunch of people Sunday morning, Easter, then obviously come with them. Uh, that would be, I think that'd be great. Hey, you should come to our church. I won't be there. But you'll like it. Uh, and so, that being said, a lot of you, you'll, you'll wind up, some, hopefully, a lot of you will wind up coming Sunday morning. Uh, but I would encourage you, if you do come, Sunday morning would be a great time to serve. And if you could attend on Saturday night, man, that would be awesome. Have that time with your family. I know I'd be coming. If I had a choice and I was only going to come to a service, it'd be Saturday night, and I'd be sleeping in Sunday morning. I mean, I'd be like, whew, it'd be awesome. But, uh, but until Cody takes my job, I won't be doing that. Because so. she'll have to bring the kids with her even when she takes my job. So <clears throat> she can't just abandon her job, right? I mean, come on. Uh, oh, I'm going to block every one of those emails. <sighs> Did it get hot in here? <laughs> uh, it's fun stuff. So you have an invitation around you. Every other seat, we had one. And the way that works is, part of that is an actual invitation that you can give to someone. So you can tear it off. You can give that to someone. It has the service times and all that. And the other one is for you. You, you, know, you put on that your refrigerator to remind you, oh, yeah, Easter's coming. But I, I would encourage you. In fact, right now, if you have a pen, I want you to take, take out a pen. And on the part that you're going to keep, on the part that you're going to keep, on the back, there's actually a, a fair amount of of open space. Um, there's some graphics on the back of it. Uh, but on the back of that invitation, just one for family. You don't have to, not everybody has to do one. But, but during this service, and even now, I want you to be praying about a name. 
Um, and if you're concerned about, you know, whether or not you would embarrass them, if they saw it, like, if they're coming over to your house all the time, they see your name, their name on your refrigerator, you're like, well, I'm just praying, you know, you'd quit being a heathen and stuff. Uh, <laughs> just put a first name. But write, write, write a name or a couple of names of people that you're going to continue to pray for, but not just pray for. But you're going you're gonna to ask the Lord to open an opportunity for you to go and invite them to come and experience the greatest message of all of our lives, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They need it. Amen? Will you do that for me? If you'll do that, say amen. Now, don't lie, because if you lie, God will kill you. I'm joking. I'm joking. Some of you are like, wow, that's, he's really intense. He may. I don't know. I'm not sure. Uh, so today, we've been in this series, Nothing New, where we've been talking about biblical principles that have been true for thousands of years. And so we're going to continue that. The subject we're talking about right now, and I want everybody to take a deep breath, even now. <gasps> Come on. Collectively, take a deep breath. Loosen up. Because today we're talking about money. Some of you are like, get your purse. It's your purse. Uh, but we're going to talk about money. Look, the Bible talks about money all the time. Really, we should talk about it more because the, the Bible talks about giving. It talks about resources. talks about money. It talks about the things that we have. Why? Because the whole point of the Word of God is God having a plan to pursue our hearts. Okay? So if God has this plan to pursue our hearts, He has to address the things that are competing with our hearts the most. And that's the reason why, in the New Testament especially, man, it's constantly talking about giving, money, the things we have, because the things that we have have a tendency to have us. And so we have to talk about this. Let's look at this verse in Acts 20, verse 35. It says, In everything I did, I showed you that this, by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, if you've been at our church for a while, you may be asking, like, it may not be totally clear. How do you get plugged in here? Well, I'm going to walk through that real quick because it connects with with what we're talking about this morning. Uh, If you're here and you're not sure how to get involved, there's a couple of things that will help you get involved. First of all, go through our Connect classes, okay? Go through our Connect classes. We didn't have them this month, but we're going to start them back up in May. And that's where you get to hear about who we are, our vision, uh, a little bit of theology, but more just about our values and who we are. Well, within that, you'll actually hear Pastor Rick talk about these five concepts, these five reasons why over 30 million people that used to go to church are no longer going to church. The five reasons why people gave up on going to church or that they don't want to go to church because of their perception of these five particular areas. Uh, the first one is that the people in church are weird and hypocritical. That would be one of the things. Look, we have weird people in our church. Some of you are incredibly weird. We just don't let you greet at the door. We know better, okay? But there are places for you to serve, but that is one of the impressions, specifically the hypocritical part. Like Christians, they're just hypocritical, you know, because they go in there and they go to church and they put their church sticker on the back of their car and then they're driving down the freeway at 106 miles an hour flipping everybody off, okay? And they're like, hypocrites. They're like, no, he just had a bad day. 
It happens. Okay, another reason why people don't come to church is because they don't appreciate the music. Okay, now we do not have that issue. Uh, now, but I want you to know we love hymnals. In fact, we did one this morning, but we changed it up a little bit. But a lot of times people get so wrapped up in, man, we've got it. Where's, where's the hymnal book? Where, I mean, we got it. This is the only way. And here's the deal. When those hymns were written, they were the most relevant thing that had ever happened. But you know that a lot of hymns were written to bar tunes? So people would go to the bars and they know these songs, they know these tunes. And so somebody came along like, hey, you know how we can draw the people out of the bars? We do the same music, we change up the lyrics, but it'll be relevant to them, they'll feel comfortable with it. It was an incredibly relevant, but here's the deal. Like some people think that Jesus wrote the hymns. Like, we can't go away from those. The Lord wrote those. Like, no. No. And here's the deal. If you're driving down the highway and you're flipping through your stations, if you need to give Caleb a break for a little bit, you're probably not looking for the hymnal station. I, mean, I just want to just sing some hymns right now. And, and, but even if you are, and we love them, most of this generation is not. So we try to do music that's relevant to where they're at. This is the sound of the day. Another reason why is because their kids don't want to go. I'm so thankful that my kids want to be in church. And trust me, my kids are here a lot. Like more than yours. I guarantee you that. And they still want to be here. Why? Because we make it a blast to learn about God. In fact, let's give every child care worker, our, our children's ministry, kid life, come on. Thankful for them. Student ministry. We know that ultimately, a lot of times for families, kids decide where they go to church. Because if your kid is kicking and screaming, going to church, it's going to be a lot harder for you to go to church. Uh, but we love the idea of your kid running in at 6 o'clock on Sunday morning, jumping on your chest, giving you a heart attack, saying, we've got to get to church. We love that. We encourage them to do that every Sunday. <laughs> and then another reason is the sermons are not relevant. It's like, it's a great Sunday message, but how, what's, my, what's my Monday through Saturday? Like, you got to speak to where I'm at with things that I'm actually dealing with. And the last reason not necessarily in any particular order, but a real re big reason why people don't go to church or they quit coming to church is they feel like church just wants their money. And I want, I want to tell you this with all sincerity, and I hope it's clear, I hope it's evident to you in the spirit and the heart of how we communicate. We want you. We want you because that's what God wants. God wants your heart. He wants you. He wants you. We want you. We know that if we have you and God has you, everything else is going to work out. But we still have to talk about the subject so you can get to the place where God has you. So we're talking about it this morning. In my entire life, I can't think of very many really emotional or spiritual moments when someone bought something for me or I bought something for myself. Like I don't remember like back in the early 90s when I went and bought my very first pair of Reebok pumps, which was awesome. 
But I don't remember getting those home and like just entering into worship as I was putting them on in my room. I don't remember that being like this majorly spiritual moment. Or, or, or when someone else would buy us something really cool or buy me really something really cool. Like we had really well, well, wealthy relatives and they bought me a hypercolor shirt. And you all remember the hypercolor shirts? But this was like a big deal. I mean, these were like really expensive shirts. And they're really obnoxious too because I'm a little bit of a sweater, you know. And so... They change color wherever the heat is. <laughs> so it's just awkward. But, but anyway, but they got me one of those shirts. And I don't remember that being like, oh, my goodness, this is just the most amazing thing ever. And I know some of you ladies right now, you're like, obviously, you've never bought a coach purse. <laughs> because if you had, it is spiritual. No, it ain't. No, it's not. No, it may get you in your feels, but it has nothing to do with Jesus, Okay. <laughs> But I don't think that there's very many times, even when someone has given me something significant, there was like this spiritually moving moment for me. But I remember several, multiple, I'll talk about a couple of them, where God moved on my heart to give. And it ruined me. It changed me. It was a deeply spiritual moment for me. It's more blessed. Blessed to give than to receive. But a lot of times we're not convinced of this. I remember at one point a couple of years ago, a few years ago now, probably three, four years ago, somebody gave me, felt led to give me a Harley Davidson. Sportster, 1200. Beautiful. And I remember I got this, I'm like, for the first time, in a long time, I have a little bit of cool factor now. Like, I was so excited. I got a leather jacket. I bought some boots. I, I, I got to drive down the highway and give the special <laughs> to all the other bikers. I was a part of something. But just a few months into having this thing, I met this young man from the inner city of Houston. African-American young man, came from a gang background, got his life right. He was coming to Bible school, but he didn't have any money. He just was stepping out in faith and obedience, and he was doing what he could to try to get the money together, but he could not pay for Bible school. So I felt like the Lord led me to sell the Harley to pay for this kid's Bible school. And when I first felt that, I started buying and rebuking the devil like this is obvious. <laughs> Devil's so busy right now trying to just distract me and tell me to do this. I knew in my heart. And I want to tell you, like, I, the only reason why I can tell you is because I know I didn't do it with the right attitude, so I'm not even convinced I get any credit for it. But I did. I did. I sold it. And I went and paid for it. And I didn't tell. I didn't tell him. I just did it. But he found out. Um, now, this guy, he, he's, he's like my, my height, but like 35 pounds more muscle, which is not hard to do. But, but he just a big, like, he's big, strong, intimidating dude. Tatted up. And I remember him coming to me like, yo, James. Now, I heard about what you did. I'm like, oh, at first I wasn't sure what he was talking about. <laughs> I was like, got a little scared. And then as he's looking at me, he tears up. 
And then he didn't say anything. He just came and hugged me. <laughs> and, uh, and I will say there must have been some dust in there or something because I got a little teary too. It was, uh, you know, it was powerful. I didn't, I honestly didn't have the right attitude when I sold it, but in that moment, it was way more for me than it was for him. Because I got a little picture of God's heart. It says in 2 Corinthians 9.11, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Now, this is such a great verse, but the question is this. If generosity will enrich you, why do we hesitate to give? How many of y'all want to be enriched? Now, I know the Presbyterians will never raise their hand in church, but not all y'all Presbyterians. So how many of y'all want to be enriched? Thank you. Y'all are like, I don't want to raise my hand because I know where he's going with this. <laughs> this is the mission of this church and should be the mission of every church. We feed the hungry and then we tell them about Christ. We build houses, and then we tell them about Christ. We do youth ministry, and we tell them about Christ. We do children's church, and we tell them about Christ. We have women's nights, and then we tell them about Christ. We give to the poor, and then we tell them about Christ. We hang out with people with AIDS, and then we tell them about Christ. Here's the thing. The message of love is not something that you shout at someone. No one's interested in hearing the truth of the gospel just as truth. It has to be wrapped in grace, which means it has to be wrapped in action, which means we have to be people that give. Why do we hesitate? Maybe you just don't feel blessed enough to give. Maybe you don't feel blessed enough to give. Like you just don't have enough. 1 Timothy 6.17 says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. So this is Paul telling Timothy, look, I have instructions for rich people. Make sure they get it. The problem is this, who's rich? Who's rich? Because some of y'all read through that, I'm like, all right, I'm glad. glad. I'm glad that's for somebody. Who's rich? Well, most of us are, we just have a hard time admitting it. If I ask you other questions, like, how many of you are tall? Well, I'm tall. How many of you like sports? I sure do. How many of you guys like the Razorbacks? Raise your hand if you like the Razorbacks. No problem admitting that. How many of y'all rich? Okay, but you know where I'm going. See, you wouldn't have raised it earlier. Because some of y'all are thinking right now, like, this is a really good word. I know this rich guy, he needs to be here to hear this right now. Man, if only he was, he needs to hear this message. Gallup poll tried to figure out what's really rich. So they went and surveyed people that made different amounts of money. Under $30,000, who are rich? Basically, the people that made twice as much as them. That's who they said were rich. So they went to those people, make $60,000. Who's rich? 
people that make about $120,000. Those rich people. And they kept this process going all the way up to $2.5 million. Who's rich? They asked those folks, people that make $5 million, that's who the rich people are. (laughs) And some of you are like, man, $2.5 million. If I made that much money, I would give a ton. But I know some rich people and they don't. In fact, unfortunately, a lot of times wealthy people, they usually only give to the things that kind of build their brand. Helps them with their ego. They don't typically give more because they have more, but let's test it. If I could convince you that you're rich, and you say, if I'm rich, I would give a ton more. Let's see. Let's see where we're at with this. I've been to over 50 nations all around the world, most of them third world or developing nations. And from time to time, I'll have conversations with people in Lodwar, Kenya, or other places where they have nothing. The slums of Rio, um, the slums of Soweto, South Africa. And I go and have these conversations, and a lot of times they'll start interviewing me like, how, how rich are you guys really? And I'll be like, well, I ain't rich. <laughs> They're like, really? Because we hear, we, hear, we hear that you guys have so much money that you take the extra money to a building where they keep the extra money for you because you just don't have enough room to keep it in your wallet. I'm like, yeah, yeah, those are called banks. Yeah, I've done that. We hear you guys have so much money that you hire people to help you handle all the extra money you have. Yeah, some people have financial advisors that they pay to help them handle their money. Uh, we, we hear that you have multiple cars. Like your kids even have cars. Am I well, not my kids. <laughs> no, they're too young, but, but now, now they're going to ride their bike or walk, just like you do. They say, well, we, we hear that you guys are so rich, you take drinkable water and put it on your grass so it'll grow and then you pay somebody to come and cut it. Uh, yeah. We hear, we hear you guys have so many clothes, you have a room for your clothes. I'm like, no, hold on now. That, that's just a closet. You're like, does your closet have a door? Yeah. We hear that rich women walk into these closets full of clothes, say, I have nothing to wear, and then go buy something else to wear. They didn't ask me that, but I got to throw it in there just (laughs) because. (sighs) 
Three billion people on the planet live on $2.50 a day or less. Over three billion people on this planet. If you make $37,000 or more, you are in the top 4% richest people on the planet. If you make over 50000 or 45000 or more, you're in the top 1% of the wealthiest people on the planet. I think we're a lot more rich than we realize and that we like to admit, but we really are. So why do we hesitate? Well, maybe it's because we've seen this message abused. Okay, maybe you've seen this message abused. I get this. Like you were watching some television station and this guy with slick back hair saying, man, if you will give, if you will sow into my ministry, if you will give $100 today that the Lord will multiply it, it will turn into a million dollars within the next six months. Sow a seed right now and if you will touch the part of your body that is injured to the TV screen, the Lord will heal it right now. That gets a little awkward. I've had this hip issue. Kids walk in. What are you doing, mommy? I'm sowing seeds. Get my hip healed. Just because some snake abused the truth doesn't make it an untruth. It's still truth. It's just some guy abused it. And it can happen in a lot of different subjects. This is just a lot more sensitive. Maybe, maybe it's because you have a lot of fear. Maybe it's because you have a lot of fear about giving. Look, I get this. My first year in Bible school, I was like broke, like real broke. Like ramen noodles was a fancy meal. <laughs> it was like, I, I had no money. I, I took every, because I gave up scholarships to go to Bible school. And so I got there. There were several months where I, I basically was living on $100 a month after I had to pay for my bills and everything else. So I had this $100. Actually, somebody was giving that to me. And I remember feeling this conviction like I need to be tithing out of that. I'm like, God, I'm in Bible school. <laughs> like, what else do you want me to do for you? I'm like, God, it's hard being Bible school. God, you need to go to Bible school. If you went to Bible school, you would understand. And then I thought I found a loophole. Like, oh, no, I think tithing is just Old Testament teaching. I, should, I think that's all it is. That's all it is. God, you need to read the Bible. If you read the Bible, you would know. Like, this doesn't apply anymore until one of my teachers, who knows a lot about the Bible as a Bible teacher, came and pointed out, no, even Jesus talked about tithing in Matthew chapter 23. He said, yeah, it's good to tithe. And I'm like, oh. But I'm still wrestling with it. Like, what? But I remember when I finally did. Oh my goodness. It was the most peaceful, fulfilling thing to finally surrender. $10. But I remember after that, the blessing did start to come. The blessing hit immediately because the blessing was in the joy and the peace knowing that he's my provider. It came right away, but then I started seeing it in other ways, like somebody take me out to eat. I praise the Lord. 
I order the biggest thing on the meal, get a doggy bag. <laughs> like, I'm gonna, this is gonna have to stretch out for a few days, you know? But then somebody else would take me out. And before I know it, like, I'm getting blessed and people are giving me a little bit of money or giving me some gas or just taking care of me. I started getting a little bit prideful about it. I'm like, yeah, I tied. People get around me like, I'm having a hard time right now. First question I go to, well, are you tithing? Because I've been tithing for like two months, and it has transformed my life. You need to. You need to do this. That's how some of y'all are about like your fitness and your stuff that you're drinking, all that kind of stuff. You've been doing it three weeks. All of a sudden, you're like a professional about everything. We get it. Okay. We love you. If you ever want to know who a vegan or a CrossFitter is, just wait 10 minutes. They'll tell you. I love y'all. I do. I love y'all. Y'all know you're passionate about it, though. Come on now. Come on now. I love vegans. More meat from me. <laughs> Three truths that will help you become a giver. Trust God with your giving and your tithe. Malachi 3.6. I, the Lord, do not change. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask... How are we to return? Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings, you're under a curse because you're robbing me. Now, some of you are like, this is Old Testament. This is Old Testament. I promise you this principle still applies. And I see it in so many people's lives. Over and over and over again. I hated this part of the Bible when I was in my first year of Bible school. It was so hard. But then I got to it. But tithing sounds crazy. Why did God say, test me in this? And he doesn't say that in any other part of the Bible. He doesn't say to test him in any other subject, in any other part of the Bible. I think he knew that it would freak us out. I think he knew that it was going to be hard for us to trust him with the tithe. So he had to bring it up. But it sounds crazy because in order to tithe for some of you, you're like, I will have to completely and totally rearrange my life around God. Yeah. Yeah, that's the point. Look, in order for you to have Jesus first in your morals, in your family, in your home, in your education, in your job, in all those things, the only way Jesus can be first is you have to rearrange all those things around him. That's the only way he becomes first. I promise you this, if you rearranged everything around God, especially around this subject, change your life. Not only would it change your life, but it give you an opportunity to see a lot of other people's lives change too. What I spend, where I go, when I go, who I go with, what's important. If I want to make Jesus first in those things, I've got to rearrange everything around Jesus. But I want you to understand this. This is one of the most important things I'm going to say, and I've kind of already said it, but I'll say it again. God doesn't want your money. God doesn't want your money or your stuff. He's not building storage units in heaven. 
for your junk. He wants your heart. He wants your heart. And he could just say, give me 90%. Boom. New Testament, early church. People weren't hung up on the tithe. They did say still tithe, but they weren't hung up on the tithe. Most of them were given 80, 90% just so that the church could survive under persecution. And I've seen this in other places, in other countries where they don't have anything. People gather all their money up just because there's got people we got to feed. We don't have the issues that they have in other countries. But, but God could ask for more. He asked for 10%, 10%. And that's a representation of all my heart. That doesn't even make sense. How could only 10% represent all my heart? <laughs> but that's how good and gracious God is. You must have a vision to give. When's the last time you sat down with your spouse, with your family, your kids, and talked about your plan to be generous? Guys, this is exciting. We're going to sit down. We gotta, we're going to come up with a plan because we have this amount of money. We have this amount of money above our tithe this year that we, we're going to hook somebody up. Let, let's plan how to do this. Let's plan how to do this as a family. How are we going to hook somebody up this year? Well, here's the deal. Like we, we want a good deal on a flat screen TV or we want a good deal on a new smart, smartphone or a car or whatever. I promise you, we sit down and we plan out how we're going to get it. Right? I wonder what it would look like if we sat down and actually had plans of how we're going to be generous to people around us. Like What would that look like? Imagine how fun it would be as a church, if we just got to talk about all the cool stuff that we are getting to do above and beyond what we're already doing because everybody was sold on this. We already give. Last year we gave 12% of our total income to missions. It was a lot of money. We, we give the stuff all the time as a church, but I'm not talking about what we're doing here specifically, I'm talking about your family, you. We have to have a vision because I find that people give to vision, but they have to have vision to give too. Well, get a vision for your family of how you're going to be generous so you have something to give to. Isaiah 32 8 says, But generous people plan to do what is generous, and they stand firm in their generosity. Back a few years ago, one guy had pledged that he was going to give to one of the buildings that we were building. By the way, I'm so thankful for everybody who's being so faithful with their pledges to help us get this building done. We haven't paid this building off. Uh, we need some of you to jump on board with that vision to give towards it so we can get out of debt so we can have all that extra money to start hooking people up and doing more ministry. But I'm so thankful to every person that's been faithful with those commitments. Thank you. Thank you. Because of that kind of stuff, we were able to have Friday night. We couldn't have had it without this building. So thank you. But he had, he had committed to give a certain amount, but here's the deal. He came on hard times. The economy tanked. But he wanted to fulfill that commitment. So he had a piece of property. He said, hey, I'm going to sell this piece of property so I can complete my commitment. Man, that's a big deal. Are you sure? It's like, yeah, it was my family's idea. 
We sat down as a family and said, how are we going to fulfill our commitment? And, every, and we all talked about this piece of property. We wanted to build an extra house on it someday, but we just decided we're going to sell this so we can fulfill our commitment. Someone else, a businessman or a person who had a job that was kind of seasonal and he had to come upon hard times and so he was out of work. He said, but I've committed to give. I've committed to tithe. But because I don't have work right now, I'm still going to keep looking. But he came up to the church. He came up to the church and he tithed this time. He said, I'm going to work for the church this much every week. Because I can't give the tithe right now, but I can give my time, and I'm going to do that. Come on, people. That is the heart that God wants us to have towards his kingdom. Because that is about souls. That's not just about something you do because it's religious or you feel like you have to. You're doing that kind of stuff because you are so excited that you get to be a part of building his kingdom. But that's where God wants us. Turn generosity into action. Turn generosity into action. Philemon 1.6. And I'm praying that you will put into action the generosity that comes from your faith as you understand experience all the things of God, the good things that we have in Christ. I remember when we were, were starting the campaign to raise the money for this building, and I remember God putting on my heart what he wanted Cody and us to give as a family. And, and for me, it was, it was a lot. It was a big faith thing for me. And I wrestled with it and wrestled with it. And I went to Cody to talk to Cody about it, about what, and I wanted, honestly, what I wanted her, I wanted her to be like, we can't do that. I want, I, we, there's no way. I would have felt way better about that. She's all godly and everything, you know. And so when I went to tell her, she's like, yeah, that sounds great. I'm like, what that? Hey, you, no, you got to be fearful a little bit right now. This is hard. She had no problem. So we, so we made that commitment. And we're, we're sticking to that commitment. I remember right after that, God says, that's fine, but it wouldn't be wise if you go to the front of the church and tell them the amount of money that God told you to give and all this kind of stuff. But how could you demonstrate? How could you demonstrate? So God gave put this idea on my heart to ride a bike which sounds silly to most of you like why would you ever do that to start with but to ride a bike connecting all of our campuses at that time praise God I did it at that point because we've added like four campuses and I don't want to ride to Pine Bluff okay so uh, but it was, it was it was still almost 500 miles on my bike and I raised money per mile and and, and God blessed it and all that. But, I'll, but I will say this. It was an action that I felt like I needed to take to use an ability or a gift that I had to glorify God. Because like I said, I'm not that great at a lot of things. But I ride a bike. So I did it. But I'm so glad that I did because here's the thing. I got to see the Arkansas that God sees. I got to see these little communities with little churches that you could tell they're doing everything they can to reach those people. I got to pray for them. And I got to see the need. I got to see brokenness. I got to see souls. I got to see that was a spiritual experience for me. But it took action. I couldn't just... I had to act. 
and it, and it wound up being more for me. Back when I was in Bible school, I did a lot of missions trips. I went to Mexico one time. I pulled into this, this village really late one night, later than we were supposed to because we ran into some weather. Middle of nowhere, jungle. Middle of nowhere, Mexico. And we got out. There was a bunch of people that had walked for hours to come and receive us, to, to welcome us. And we were late. I was worn out, tired, just like didn't want to do anything. But they wanted a fellowship, and so we did. And we were with this family, and this family had so much joy, so much joy. And we just fellowshiped and laughed, and just, it was awesome. I drank six cups of Mexican coffee, and so it really messed me up. But, but it was amazing. And then after we were done, it was late at night, and they, they brought us to this cinder black cinder block home, dirt floors, you know, just corrugated steel for a roof, that's it. And, it, and, and they brought us into this room. They brought us in the room and they said, this is where you guys are gonna stay. And there was a couple of like full-size beds in there. And so it, uh, we had a couple of, of, of us staying in there and then we had the team kind of spread out at different homes. So I was staying there and they said, this is where you're gonna stay. And so the beds, man, they, honestly, they were just boards with like this thin pad on top of it. And, and I remember, I mean, even that night, like I did not sleep well at all, probably because of the six cups of coffee, but, but also just because I was uncomfortable and I was just like, man, this, uh, I remember you just kind of having a bad attitude, like, ah, oh, I just got done driving 18 hours straight to get here and now I'm not even gonna get a good night's rest. Feeling sorry for myself. And then I woke up in the morning and I'm like, oh, back hurts, all this stuff. And, and, and I walk out to the kind of, what's the living room area, dirt floor. It's kind of the common area where the family gathers. And out there was this family of seven sleeping on the dirt because they had given us their beds. And I remember one of the little boys getting up and he had ant bites all over his arm because the ants had gotten him that night. But as soon as, as, soon as we came out, they saw us. They just up and smiling and they're so full of joy. And then they cooked us. They, 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 they slaughtered a pig. Listen, it's a reality in the rest of the world. They kill animals and they eat them because that's all they have. Get over it. Okay, so they slaughtered, we slaughtered a pig and we ate it. But here's the thing, when they, when they kill a pig, it is a big deal. Because they usually sell those things to make money to take care of their family, but they killed it and served it to us. But here's the deal, when they do it, they cook everything. Everything. And so you'll be digging through some, some soup with some mole in it, and, and you'll you, you like like find pieces of intestines and all kinds of stuff up in this, all right, okay, it's not mean pig, trust me, okay, it's, but they were giving us their best. So full of joy. And I remember them saying something like this, it is so easy for us to give to you because you came so far to share the love of Jesus with us. And I'm just like, I am the biggest loser on the planet. Because I was complaining about not getting a good night's rest. It is better to give than to receive. It's better to give than to receive. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. I started off by saying, and I said a couple of times, look, God wants your heart. God wants your heart. If you're here today and you've never given him your heart, 
you've never given your life to him, you've never confessed Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or maybe you, you did at one point, but you, you've been away from him for a long time, I want to give you a chance to respond to him this morning. I know some of you, you, you're visiting, you may not have been to church in a long time. Like I said, we don't talk about this subject very much at all. But I do know this, the message is about your soul. The message is about your heart. It's about you knowing who God is and responding to him. So if you're here this morning, you've never given your life to Jesus, or you need to rededicate your life to him this morning, nobody looking around, but if that's you, would you give me the honor and privilege of praying with you? Just let me know who you are. Slip your hand up right now. As soon as I see your hand, you can put it down. Anybody in this room, I need to get right with Jesus today. Yes, sir. Thank you. Got it. Got it, buddy. Anybody else? I need to get right with Jesus. Anybody else? I got you. Okay. Anybody else? Make sure I see you. Okay. For those couple of people who raised their hand, why don't you just say this prayer? In a couple of weeks, I'll have a chance to go public with your decision to follow Jesus through water baptism. But right there in your seat, just say, God, today I give you my life. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. Right now, I, I make you my Lord and Savior. I want to live for you. I want to live according to your will, your word. I want to be led by your Holy Spirit. I ask that you give me a new life. Change me from the inside out. Father, I pray that in all of us, you would continue to move in us. God, we want to walk in your blessing. We want to walk in that peace. We want to walk in that joy of trusting you with everything that we are. God, I know right now that you're moving in some people's lives, and there may even be some conviction around this. I come against condemnation in the name of Jesus. God, this is not your heart. It's not your heart for people to feel guilty about what they haven't done in the past, but I thank you that you're going to help them for what they're going to do starting here going forward. And I pray, God, that they wouldn't just walk out of here with that idea, but that they would be intentional. They get with their family. They get with, with someone around them and, and ask and ask you, God. Ask you, just, God, what do you want us to do? That's all we've ever asked anybody in our church just get with God and ask him what he wants you to do and then let us know that we would do that. We thank you for that opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. If you're thankful for God's word, let's give him a hand this morning.